Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Wednesday, April 7th. We begin with a conversation with Mayor Nahed Nenshi following his bombshell announcement yesterday that he will not be running in October's municipal election. We asked the mayor what factors made up his decision. Next, we look at yesterday's provincial announcement of increased COVID-19 restrictions. We get reaction from the Business Council of Alberta. It's Green Shirt Day in support of organ donation. We speak with Toby Boulay, the father of Humboldt Bronco, Logan Boulay, who made clear his desire to be an organ donor just before he passed away. We asked Toby Boulay about the legacy his son's decision made. Next, we speak with kidney donor Dave Kinsella. Dave was the first living donor inspired by Logan Boulay. We'll talk to Dave about his inspiration and why he thinks it's important to share his story and continue to raise awareness for the cause. 6.42 now, and with this new wave of COVID variants particularly, other provinces are suffering as well. Ontario, for, exi- in, uh, for instance, uh, businesses saying it will be devastating to them. But here to talk with us about the impact on Alberta businesses is Scott Crockett, who's the Vice President of Communications for the Business Council of Alberta. Good morning, Scott. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, Sue. Thanks for having me. Okay, so what does this mean for us here in the province? I mean, can you kind of give us a, a roundup of where we where we were up until yesterday's announcement? Absolutely. So until yesterday's announcement, uh, businesses in the province were operating under phase two or step two of the reopening plan. And, and that meant, among other things, that uh, restrictions on the number of people in re- retail stores had been increased a little bit and uh, in-person dining was allowed. What's happened yesterday, for anybody who hasn't caught it, is, is effectively uh, Alberta's rolling back the clock into phase one. And some of the really significant differences that folks are going to notice is that means that uh, in-person dining or indoor is going to uh, be paused for the time being uh, that sort of free and open workouts at gyms other than one on one personal training sessions will be paused and uh, retail is going to go from the 25% capacity that's at right now down to about 15% so we're going to see some increased restrictions for the next number of weeks. Scott I'm wondering particularly you know look, you look at the hospitality industry and the amount of restaurants is shut down uh, during previous restrictions over the past of uh, 12 plus 13 months or so. I'm wondering from the council's perspective, um, if businesses have made it this far, uh, can you anticipate many more closures or is that even, uh, you know, something that we can't take off the table quite yet? Well, Andy, uh, in the, over the last couple of days, uh, as we've been able to anticipate that some additional restrictions were probably coming, I've reached out to a bunch of businesses and, and had chats with them. And uh, from most of the businesses that I talk to, they understand that effective pan- pandemic management is really actually uh, part of the economic recovery strategy. In other words, they understand that, uh, that something likely had to be done and that this is the right approach. And the businesses that I talk to tell me that, you know, they're going to intend to do what they've always done, which is follow the rules, keep delivering essential services, keep people employed. Uh, but you've hit the nail on the head. The one group that is feeling this the absolute worst is, of course, uh, restaurants and gyms. And uh, I really feel for these folks because they've had to open and close and stop and start and, and change uh, what they're doing in person, not in person, quite a number of times throughout this. And, you know, I, I think there's a confidence that among those that have made it this far, that they they likely will make it to the other side as well. But I think that there are a few pieces that will be important to that. Uh, You know, one is that Albertans continue to support them in the ways that we can. Uh, Patios are going to stay open, for example, so Mm -hmm. we should try and get out to those. And mentioned in yesterday's announcements, but yet without any detail yet, is that some uh, additional financial assistance is coming for those really super hard hit groups like the restaurants and gyms. And I think that that's going to be really important. My uh, What I anticipate is that that's likely to be something like an increase to the $20,000 relaunch grant that uh, has been um, 
provided up until this point. And so I'd really like to see some some additional focused support for those businesses who, you know, have just had the worst time opening and closing again and again. Scott, before we find out what that new relief might be, has there been enough, had there been enough aid or relief, both provincially or federally, for these businesses? I know it, you know, started slowly perhaps, but did it ramp up to, to become, you know, enough to, to support them? You know, it's always really tough to say enough to yeah, anything yeah. because people have had just uh, a really difficult year. But I can tell you that uh, between the variety of programs that are available from the federal government in terms of wage and rent subsidies and from the provincial government in terms of these relaunch grants, businesses have told me that these have made a real difference. Um, They've helped them get back on their feet. They've helped them bridge through uh, periods where there's been very little cash flow. So, you know, while it's always difficult to say if if there's uh, enough, and I think that depends on each individual business, I know that they've helped. And I'm wondering, you know, the uncertainty, I, I, I never thought of it like this, but it goes both ways, the uncertainty of whether or not they're going to be closing again and or at least restricting, uh, you know, business operations to a certain extent. And also when you're in it, when are we going to open again? So there's two types, right, when it comes to staffing and ordering um, on, on both sides of that equation. Yeah, that's a, that's a real challenge, you know, especially for folks like the restaurant business, you know, who need perishable uh, inventory, you know, to wrap back up again or have perishable inventory on hand when we head back into a period of restrictions. I think the province has tried to be a bit responsive to that by giving restaurants a few days until the end of the week before these restrictions come in for them to maybe work their way through a little bit of perishable inventory. But you're absolutely right. It, it's very difficult. And I think if there's one thing that, that businesses uh, want to see, it's predictability to the greatest extent possible. And so, you know, establishing some clear bars about the number of hospitalizations or the percentage of vaccinations that we need to get to and, and what's likely going to happen at those stages um, is is one of the best strategies that the government can use to give businesses just a bit of predictability, you know, to, to call those staff back and tell them they're going to have a shift next week or to order some additional inventory. You're right, Eddie. It's a challenge both in terms of the closing and the reopening. Yeah, hopefully with these new restrictions and vaccines, we can avoid uh, many more casualties anyway. Thank you so much for your time this morning, Scott. Yes, thank you very much. Appreciate it. That's Scott Crockett, Business Council of Alberta, Vice President of Communications, and it's businesscouncilab.com. 709, and yes, over a decade ago, he took his passion and he made it happen. That's why we're playing this song this morning. <laughs> uh, Mayor Nahad Nenshi is joining us now to talk about his announcement yesterday. I'm sure you heard it in Brenda's news. Um, and, uh, you know, we can tell you what happened, but we'd rather hear it from the man himself. So very good morning to Mayor Nahad Nenshi. Well, good morning. I know it's Wednesday, not Friday, and it's 7 a.m., not 8 a.m. So people who are listening, no, no, it's still Wednesday. It's still 7 a.m. You're not late. Um, But I promised you guys that uh, we would have a nice chat about this as soon as I made my announcement. And thank you so much for having me on. Just a side question before you get to it. uh, How close were you? And I know we're in a pandemic time and our offices are locked down. But how close were you to coming down to the radio station when we asked you every single Friday uh, for the past almost year? (laughs) <laughs> you know, I would love to see you guys, but uh, we got to stay safe. So I'm just happy that we have the chance to chat uh, about it now. And uh, yes, so I have made my decision. I'm not going to be a candidate uh, in the election this fall. Whoa, that is still very hard to say. It was a very tough decision. 
Uh, but I'm so happy to get the chance to talk to you about it. It's been 10 years, Mayor, that you have been in charge of this city. And, you know, we said it earlier, whether people, you know, have disagreed with some of your decisions or agreed with, with many of them, you are a passionate supporter of the city of Calgary and the people in it. Is there one thing that you can sort of name as, as the thing that you can really point to and say, you know, this, this is my legacy, this is what I, I am most proud of? You know, I've been so scared of answering that particular question because I just am not someone who thinks that way. I just kind of put on my pants and go to work and try to do good work every day, um, not thinking about, well, how will I be remembered? And, you know, um, it's nice because a lot of people have been doing that for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm still pretty emotional here the next morning. Um, you know, a lot of folks have said some very kind things. I'm trying to get caught up on all the messages. Uh, some people have been sharing pictures over the years with Thank You Nenshi on Twitter that are reminding me of lots of uh, great moments. And, you know, if you think about it, it's, it, a politician will think about, okay, what did I build? And there's so many things from the biggest investment in public transit in our history, and for a guy who's sometimes accused, sometimes on your station, of having a war on cars, there's by far the biggest investment in roads uh, and road infrastructure in our history. Um, not just cycle tracks, also cycle tracks, um, five new rec centers, new central library, refurbished uh, branch libraries, uh, parks infrastructure, water infrastructure, and, and the list goes on and on. I'm really proud of the fact that we have really focused on equity uh, in our community with one of Canada's first anti-poverty plans, now Canada's first mental health and addictions plan, and things like the low-income bus pass, uh, things like building affordable housing, you know, funding for the arts and culture and just building up the city. And by the way, doing all of that with the lowest taxes in the country. I mean, it's a pretty good record, I think. I think I can be proud of it. I think you should the single thing that's the most important is just think back to 2009 and think about how our politics was so rigid. Voter turnout was so low. People thought of politics as something that happens to you not something that happens with you and for you. And now people are so much more engaged, for good or for bad, in the future of their community. And I think that's great. Sorry, that was a very long answer. (laughs) Well, we asked you. It's been 10 years. Yeah, you basically, yeah, yeah, you requested coming on today. So, yeah, the floor is yours. I'd like to also underscore, and this is kind of selfish, a couple of things. The food trucks, I think you were instrumental in helping with food trucks. Uh Um, And the patio, uh, you know, uh, helping out with the patios and the increase in patios during this time because it, it gave people that chance to gather outdoors. But I'm wondering, uh, Mr. Mayor, was there a tipping point or what was it that finally, you know, had you say now is the time? Was it a case of, you know, I've done all I can. I, I feel like I've, you know, uh, run my course in this particular job and I want to do something different. What was it? You know, literally, I made my decision on Thursday. And so we pulled together a little video over the long weekend. Um, and I thought about what I wanted to do and what I wanted to say, and we announced uh, right after Easter on Tuesday. So it's been a long conversation, and I've talked to a lot of people. A lot of people have given me very generous advice. You know, the hardest conversations I had to have were with myself, and the hardest questions I had to answer to myself were two of them. Number one is, am I living up to that promise that I made and what my mom and dad always drummed into me, which is, leave it better than you found it. And number two is, is it irresponsible to step away at such a critical moment in the city's history? And ultimately, there were two things that that really helped me with the decision. 
which I think is the right decision for me personally, and I hope is the right decision for Calgary as well. But the first is, if we've learned anything this year, we have learned that there are so many voices in our city, new voices, diverse voices, young voices, Mm -hmm. that maybe just don't feel heard in our system. And perhaps it is time to make some room, uh, to step aside and make some room for those new, fresh voices uh, to come into place. And the second thing is, I remembered what I said on that hot, sweaty basement uh, in October of 2020, just after midnight on election night. I started my speech by saying, today Calgary is different than it was yesterday. It's better. And it's not because of me, it's because of you. And I was reminded that it's not at all about me. It's about the 1.3 million Calgarians. It's about the amazing public servants at the city of Calgary who do the work every day, who make the change happen. And I've been so lucky because for 10 years I get to be the mouthpiece for it. I get to talk about it. I get to put Calgary on the world map. Um, But ultimately, it's not me. It's all of us together that are doing this work. And the city is full of people who love the city, who are going to make great change. The future is going to be really bright. You know, you you mentioned diverse, and I think that is a really great point of, of sort of where Calgary is transitioning to a, a much more diverse place to live. And it, it makes me think of two colors. One is purple, you know, the purple revolution that people talk about and, and you using social media to really kind of get the message out about how important the mayor's job was to young people and get young people involved in civic politics. And the other color that makes me think uh, when you were talking is the color brown. I mean, you are the first Muslim man to, any person to serve as a mayor of a large American city. So do you think it's for young, you know, kids who are brown, pink, blue, whatever color they might be to look up and to see somebody like you and realize, hey, I can be the mayor too. I can, in fact, do anything. Does that does that resonate with you? Yeah, you know, um, on both of those, remember that I wear purple every day, not because it brings up the color of my eyes. <laughs> I wear purple every day because it's red and blue. And I'm trying to remind people that you don't have to define yourself by conservative or liberal or left-wing or right-wing. We're all on this line together, and we can all work together to make this place better. And that purpleness, I hope, will stay um, through on the city council uh, forever and ever. But, you know, I talk a lot. One of the great things about COVID is that I do lots of school visits. I do them all online now, so I get to actually visit more schools than I used to. And when I talk to elementary school kids, I realize I've been mayor their whole life. Mm. They may not know a white person can be mayor, you know? (laughs) And that's pretty cool uh, for me to think about. And I was talking to a friend of mine from Toronto last night who said, you know, I've been to Calgary a half dozen times since you've been mayor. And the thing that always amazes me is that when we walk down the street, people of every age, of every background always want to stop you and talk and take a picture, um, but mostly just talk. And she said, and kids of every background want to stop and just chat with you. And she goes, you know, in my city, I don't think kids know who the mayor is. (laughs) And everybody knows who you are, Mm -hmm. uh, which was really sweet. But there's something serious about this, and I'll take a second on that, which is, listen, we are in a time of great division. We're in a time of great anger. And that's very troubling. And certainly for me, it's gotten much worse over 10 years. When I first started, you know, my faith, the color of my skin was kind of an interesting novelty, but nobody really dwelled on it. Nobody really cared. And now we're in a world since 2016 or 17 or so where I get racist attacks every single day. Um, It's unrelenting. 
And but that's okay, I guess. It's not okay. But if I can take some of those arrows in my back and protect some of the other people in the community from this, you know, that that's what I that's what I signed up for. But I'm very worried about it. And I want to believe that change is hard, that it's really hard for people to hear the stories of how others don't feel heard. It's hard for us with our mythology about Calgary being a place that is colorblind, whatever that means, to really understand that for a lot of Black and Indigenous and people of colour in our community, the opportunities are not the same. They live in a different society than we do. And that is hard. And even as a person of colour, it's hard for me to hear that. And it means that we got to change. And so getting through all this anger and hatred and division to a place where we can agree that everyone deserves dignity on this land is going to be hard. And I hope that that'll be a little part of my future as well. And well said. Uh, and thank you so much for sharing your announcement with us this morning. Appreciate it, Mr. Mayor. Thank you so much. See you Friday. You betcha. That is Mayor Nahed Nenji. 12 yesterday was the tragic anniversary of the 2018 Humboldt Broncos bus crash but out of that bad came something good we call it green shirt day that's today Logan Boulay was one of the people lost on that tragic day three years ago but we refer to something now called the Logan Boulay effect and joining us is Logan's dad Toby Boulay thanks Toby for joining us this morning good morning to you Good morning, Sue. Thanks for having me on your show this morning. Thank you for being here. I can only imagine it's, it seems like probably 100 years ago in some ways and just yesterday. But, you know, the fact that we're celebrating Green Shirt Day again for a third year, it just speaks to the good that, that came from, from losing your son, unfortunately, and, and, and the legacy that, that you have helped create in his name. Well, thank you. Logan... Logan was a great person. We always say someone in the past was a great person, but he was a great person. He was a wonderful, kind young man, and he thought of others first all the time. And so when he decided he wanted to be an organ donor after Rick Suggett passed as trainer, it's what he wanted to do. And then he just continued to give. And in his passing, the tragedy just happened, and, you know, you can't – everything fell, falls together, I guess, if you think of it that way. What's but it oh, – sorry, just, go ahead. Yeah, I don't know how to say it. We just – we just work hard to make sure what Logan wanted to do is done. Mm-hmm. I guess to put it that way. So many of us, uh, you know, the life that he led and the decision that he made, uh, you know, that has influenced so many different lives. I think so many of us can't choose our legacy and we don't see our legacy, obviously, when, when we're gone. So what does it mean for the family to reflect on this and to hear the stories as we move ahead? That's a great question. It's certainly you can't choose your legacy, but you can help determine it by being a good person or not a good person when you're alive. Mm. And Logan's legacy that's been left now for many people is a legacy of giving and kindness. It wasn't always like that. Let's not kid ourselves. He was a, a young man. He, he got he got hecked a few times. But um, <laughs> let's face it, as my wife says, I like to have a party every once in a while, but not at our house. <laughs> but it, it just makes us feel special. It makes us feel wonderful. We have lots of comments, lots of our friends. The city of Lethbridge is basically green today. Front page of Lethbridge Herald is green. It's just wonderful that people have reached out to us, and it's wonderful that people remember the humble Broncos because this all comes out of the Broncos. Yes, Logan registered to be an organ donor and told people he wanted to do that, but he never planned it. Mm-hmm. And certainly the Broncos' tragedy is front and foremost in our minds at all times. 
And you know, Toby, you're right. It, the The way that we keep someone alive is by talking about them constantly. And, and the fact that you are able to do that and, and show statistics of, of the effect that Logan has had. I mean, 150,000 people plus registering to become organ donors just in the days after Logan's death. It, I mean, it, it really is amazing. And, and it continues. It's like a snowball effect. It's just gotten bigger. Well, a, a lady posted on Twitter not long after the tra- tragedy that Rick Suggett threw a pebble in the pond and created a ripple. And Logan yeah. basically jumped on the ripple and created a tsunami. And that's where we're at. It's, even though it's COVID is all around us, and I, as you're going to talk about that later on your show, but ver- having it virtual, this last year we weren't really ready for virtual. Nobody was ready for COVID last year. But that way, this year we're ready, and it's just exploding across Canada, literally across Canada virtually today. And it's wonderful to have that. And we have an article in the Leftbridge Herald this morning of Brandy Hine out of Regina who's received two transplants. Nothing from Logan, but she's inspired to tell her story now. She was never inspired before, but having Rick and Logan's story come out, now she's sharing her story, and people are messaging her that they're registering to be organ donors because of Logan and because of her. So we know we're not the only family in Canada that's struggling with the loss of their child. We never said that. We never wanted to be that. And we know we're not the only family that their child donated their organs. But sometimes we feel that we've been given this this opportunity to speak and to not to speak publicly would be a travesty. It'd be wrong. Toby, you mentioned the, the green shirts, seeing them around town. And I'm wondering, you know, because, yes, we are restricted. It's different this year for Green Shirt Day than it has been, uh, I guess, beginning last year. We were at the beginning edge of the, the pandemic. But uh, what, what, do you, what do you feel when you see a green shirt knowing that someone's not wearing that by accident on a day like today? How does that make you feel, that somebody's going out of the way to choose their wardrobe to show their support? It makes, it makes my wife and I and our daughter feel very proud. About three weeks ago in Safeway, I was just lined up to buy my groceries, and a guy walks by in a green shirt, and, shirt, and, uh, and I'm just kind of like, do I yell out and call them? And I, just, I didn't know who this person was. I'm like, you're wearing a green shirt, day shirt today? And he just was. And it wasn't like it was a worn-out shirt. It was a nice, clean shirt, a new shirt that went in this year's edition. They were just like, I was just like, wow, that really struck me. And I told the young cashier who I was, and she looked, she goes, I know who you are. So... That's amazing. I love it. Well, we'll remember Logan and, and all the great that has come from him. And, and we thank you always for, for taking the time and, and sharing with us and, and continuing his legacy and talking about Green Shirt Day. And it's greenshirtday.ca if people want more information. And I know, Toby, that uh, you'll be happy to hear we're talking to Dave Kinsella in just a couple of minutes, who is a, a living organ donor. And we'll get more of the details on how Logan has shaped, you know, what, what has come out of this tragedy from three years ago. So thanks so much for your time this morning. Thank you. Say hello to Dave for me. We've never met Dave. We speak of him often. Excellent. We will say hi for you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Andy. Thank you, Sue. Have a wonderful day. You too. That's Toby Boulay, father of Humboldt Broncos player Logan Boulay. 820 on Mornings with Sue and Andy and our coverage this morning on Green Shirt Day. It is a special day and we're going to be talking about organ donation and Logan Boulay. And we're going to talk right now with Dave Kinsella and we're going to get to uh, Dave's connection to Logan and the influence that the Boulay, uh, well, we call it the Boulay effect, had on Dave in a second. But uh, good morning to you, Dave, to get things started. Uh, uh, thank you for joining us. Yeah, good morning. Thank you for having me on the program. Thank you. It's an important cause. Very mm-hmm. important. In, in, in your title, we have you listed as a living organ donor. So before we go further, how do we define a living organ donor? Well, it's uh, just uh, we have two kidneys and we only need one to live a uh, 
healthy life, a healthy and long life. So uh, if you're in the right condition, uh, you can donate a donate a kidney to uh, make a difference in somebody else's life. Dave, you were the first living organ donor inspired by Logan Boulay and, and his loss of life in that tragic bus crash. So tell us a little bit about your story. How did you even hear about it? And then what led you to say, okay, I'm going to be the guy? Well, um, it came from a billboard campaign that a fellow named Ryan McLennan from Calgary was looking for a, looking for a living donor. And I first saw the uh, billboard in March of uh, 2018, about a month before the, uh, the Humboldt tragedy. And... Um, I was in the workup getting tested to see if I was a match for Ryan when, when Humboldt happened and, uh, and Logan's amazing, amazing gift happened. So uh, I found out I was not a match for Ryan, but, uh, you know, inspired by Logan and, uh, and uh, his selfless gift, I decided just to keep going because, uh, you know, Logan doesn't know any of his recipients mm. for his organs. And I decided to donate anonymously and just make a difference and, and, uh, you know, give a kidney to uh, to help somebody else. How has this influenced and maybe changed the views of people around you when it comes to organ donation? Have you had other people come up to you and say, hey, Dave, this is a great idea. You've inspired me. Oh, yes. Yeah, there's uh, lots of uh, friends and family and lots of promotion on, uh, you know, people signing their org- signing up to be uh, organ do- donors if they are deceased and uh, also working with a few folks that are uh, considering uh, living donation as well as... Uh, sort of peer support for folks that are looking for kidneys and uh, trying to help find um, find organ donors for them as well. So just really involved in the cause of, of you know, more donations. There's more than enough uh, um, organs out there. We just need to get people that believe in it to sign up and, uh, and uh, get all the barriers out of the way. And, and um, you know, literally thousands of lives in Canada could be saved. Well, uh, Dave, I don't know if you heard Toby just before he he came on just before you and he, he you know said say say hi to Dave. We've never met, but we talk about him often. I know that you're very important to the Boulay family. If you know, let's just kind of go over again. What what does it take? I mean, do we have to go online to say we want to be a, a living donor and in you know if we pass that we want to be able to share our organs because I, I know there's there are a couple of steps to it as opposed to it, it just being you know a, a given that we we donate unless otherwise yeah, saying yeah there's a there's a, on AHS if you just type in uh, organ donation it'll take you to the AHS site it's literally about five minutes uh, you don't even have to sign the paperwork and fax it back you just put in your Alberta health card number sign up and uh, you know select which organs and which situations you'd want to donate in in case of your passing and then organ donation uh, there's many different spots uh, to sign up for living donation Um, there's uh, the living donor program in calgary as well as uh, you can do it through uh, blood.ca i believe through the um, alberta blood blood services yeah great info and uh, thanks for your time this morning dave you bet thank you that is living organ donor dave kinsella and again it's greenshirtday.ca or of course kidney.ca.